0: Welcome to Chick Chat, The Baby Chick Podcast. I'm your host, Nina Spears, The Baby Chick, and today we have the privilege of chatting with Tila Tomasetti, a psychologist from Alberta, Canada, and the name and face behind the fast growing Instagram account, at the T on Birth Trauma. Tila has spent the last 15 years specializing in various forms of trauma therapy, such as domestic violence, childhood sexual abuse, tragic losses, and sexual assault. A few years ago, Tila decided to pursue her doctorate with a specialty in birth trauma. Tila has made it her mission to create a safe space to explore birth trauma survivors' experiences, support them in discovering their healing, and shed light on an area that, according to research, impacts one in three women who have given birth. Today, we will be chatting with Tila about birth trauma and how to overcome difficult birthing experiences. I'm looking forward to shedding some light on this important topic and learning more about how to overcome these difficult birthing experiences. Let's welcome Tila to learn more. Hi, Tila. We're so happy to have you on our podcast, Chick Chat. Thank you for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Oh, my gosh. Of course. Absolutely. When we heard about you, I was like, you know what? This is so fascinating. More people need to be hearing about this topic. And I was inspired by what you have really gone into this whole area. And we're going to dive right into it. But we'd love to learn a little bit more about you first, Tila. Please tell us what inspired you to specialize in birth trauma?
1: So I like to preface this by kind of admitting something, which is that I had never heard of birth trauma until just a few years ago. So I've been a trauma therapist for 15 years now, and those two words had never come across my couch, my therapy couch before. And I was sitting across my best friend a few weeks after she gave birth, and she broke down in tears to me and described her birth. And she knew with me, she didn't have to sugarcoat it, that she could just be honest about her experience. And she used the words birth trauma. And I said to her, I've never heard of this. And she says, nobody talks about this. It's it's something that's quite hidden. And so I started to look into it afterwards. And I was nearing finishing my master's at that time when she shared it with me and knew I wanted to do my doctorate. And I wasn't sure what I wanted to specialize in yet. And the moment she told me that no one spoke about this, no one is doing enough research around it, I decided to dedicate my doctorate to her. And uh, little did I know, though, that just um, a few years later, I would have my own birth trauma. So yeah, I did not expect that.
0: Well, thank you for sharing that with us. I hate to say an honor, but I'm sure your friend felt like, oh, wow, I really touched Tila that she decided to go and get her doctorate into birth trauma. And I'm so glad that someone's moving forward in this direction to bring light to such a serious and real experience that so many women experience. So, you know, birth trauma is, as you said, like not widely spoken about and can oftentimes be really overlooked and misunderstood. Why aren't we talking about this, Tila, and why is it important that we do? I think that one of the
1: biggest reasons that we aren't talking about it is because of Kind of like a culture of silence that we live in around birth and pregnancy and the expectations that really exist around that. So it's kind of like that idea of this is what you asked for. So be quiet. Don't complain about anything and just power through. And so I think that shame and guilt is our two really powerful, heavy emotions that exist within this area. And one of the biggest reasons why we're not talking about it enough is because of the shame and the guilt that exists and that expectation of just like, just shut up and keep going kind of idea. So I think that that's a big part of it, but I think we need to be talking about it because that culture of silence that exists around this really exacerbates the trauma symptoms for the survivor. So it keeps them in isolation. It keeps them in avoidance and not really stepping forward and stepping into their healing to deal with this. So to me, that's one of the biggest reasons why we need
0: to start talking about it is to break that silence. And I feel like it's probably so much shame. You know, at Mothers, we put so much on ourselves that it's our fault. We did something wrong or, or whatever. And so talking about it, they may feel like, oh, but it's something that I did or they don't wanna bring that to light. And really talking about it with other people, I'm so glad that they are and with you so that they can realize that they're not alone and that, you know, these experiences do happen and there's things that we can do to recover. So my question, how would you define define Fine, birth trauma for someone who's unfamiliar with it. As you said, you had been working with clients for years and never heard this term. So for someone who's listening to this episode today, what is birth trauma and what are the potential causes of a traumatic birth?
1: So with birth trauma, it's very subjective. So that's one thing I really want to get across to people. It's not like a cookie cutter kind of definition that we can seek out. It really is in the eye of the beholder and the person who has gone through that experience. So they get to decide if it was traumatic or not. Nobody gets to decide that for them. So I think, you know, at some point, I'm sure during this, we'll talk a bit about the symptoms that you'll experience. So I think within those symptoms, birth trauma, the definition, Really exists, but that it is subjective and up to the person to define that. The causes are endless. I couldn't believe it when I started to look into this and realize that you know things like cesarean sections, hemorrhages. We've got like neglect within the care itself prematurity in babies right now it's prematurity awareness month and so I've been diving into a lot of the research around that so when your baby ends up in the NICU that is birth trauma that's a very traumatic experience to go through to have your child taken from you in an incubator unable to breastfeed them or take them home as well as obstetric violence midwifery violence as well hysterectomies vacuum or forcep assisted births preeclampsia, help syndrome, like the list just goes on and on. A big one that the majority of my followers speak to is how they were treated in birth. So that seems to be the big thing is that it's not necessarily the hemorrhage. Like for example, I went through hemorrhaging. It was the way I was treated during that experience that has really lasted with me and
0: made the biggest impact. So you mentioned symptoms. So that, yes, I want to go over that. What are some symptoms that might appear in someone who has experienced birth trauma? So you're going to see things like avoidance and isolation. Those were the two that I spoke
1: to right at the top of this podcast, and they're huge. And to me, those are the biggest symptoms that I would watch for as a therapist or a friend or somebody supporting is to get them out of that isolation. Then you are experiencing things like nightmares around it, flashbacks, uh, intrusive thoughts or memories, as well as like difficulty with intimacy or sleeping, intense fears about Professionals or going into hospitals, and again, going back to that shame and guilt. So, those would be in a nutshell a lot of the symptoms that you would see in birth trauma.
0: I would say, gosh, a lot of those things, you know, working as a postpartum doula, I think that probably a lot of people maybe associate that, oh, I must have postpartum depression or baby blues, and kind of glazing over the fact that maybe they experience birth trauma. Do you see that as something, you know, that you've experienced in your practice? Yeah. And initially before this last year, I
1: wasn't working really with perinatal psychology. Now that's my specialty. But before that, it was a different kind of trauma survivors like domestic abuse and sexual assault and childhood sexual abuse and things of that nature. And so I think because depression, like you're speaking to postpartum depression and anxiety are almost more acceptable now in society, more talked about, there's less stigma around it, that I do think that that is kind of the the later that sometimes these women are getting instead of actually taking the time to understand their situation as traumatic. So I think providers as well need to really do the research and have a good understanding of this experience so that they're better able to support the client or their patient in identifying that.
0: So if a woman feels she has experienced or maybe for our pregnant moms that are about to go into labor and they're in the middle of their birthing experience, if they feel like they're experiencing birth trauma, what steps do you recommend that she take? So I want to know what steps she should take during the birthing experience or after the fact if she has already experienced that. I think I just want to start off that by saying that First, to just embrace the courage
1: and the strength and the, like, the self-love that it took to even acknowledge your experience. I think that's huge. I think that's a huge first step for people is to be able to say for themselves, this was traumatic for me. It takes courage. But I think
0: the step... So you're asking beforehand, right, Nina? Like to to prepare? Maybe not beforehand, but like, because I'm going to ask that in a bit, but I want to know if they're in the middle of it and they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't prepare for this, but I'm starting to feel unheard or not respected. What can they do in that moment during their childbirth to turn things around, hopefully, and then for the women after the fact who have said, "Oh wow, I hear where Tila, what she's talking about, and I it resonates with me. And what can I do now that I've recognized this is something that I've gone through."
1: The biggest thing I think during your birth experience is to remember that it's your birth experience. So even though you're being taken care of by providers, it is not their birth. (laughs) So just remember that during the experience that it's yours and that you have a voice and that it matters and that gaining consent in those moments is critical. And so if providers are not hearing that or not offering proper consent, because consent, what that essentially means is that all the information has been provided to you so that you can make an informed decision. And if that hasn't taken place, you have every right in that moment to say, whoa, hold on. Can you walk me through this? Can you explain this to me further? I'm feeling really scared and nervous. I need more information about this. It is their job and your right to receive all of that information. Unless it's an emergency situation and lives are at like at stake, they need to slow down and really go over those things. So that's the first key is just really understanding your rights about consent and then just find your voice in that moment. And if you can't find it, preparing your partner beforehand to say like, you know me, if I look like I'm freezing, which is a really common trauma response as well, that fight, flight, freeze, then, you know, can you speak up for me? If you don't think this is right either, can you say something? Maybe I'm not able to find my voice in that moment. You are a doula. Doulas are absolutely fantastic resources and supports in that moment. Unfortunately, they're becoming even bigger advocates than I think that they need to be or should have to be in these moments. They're becoming witnesses to a lot of birth trauma. But they too can, in that moment, be a voice for you in case you lose it. And then afterwards, what I would say is talking to supportive people. So those people in your life who are going to really hear you and listen and validate your experience. So if you know, you know, a person in your life isn't so receptive or tends to kind of use toxic positivity, then maybe shift to somebody who will really hear the rawness and the realness that exists within birth trauma. And then reaching out to a therapist, I'm of course a little biased about that, as that is my role, but it definitely helps because you want someone with perinatal psychology background who understands not just trauma, but birth trauma and everything that comes with postpartum and being a mom. So you want someone who understands the many layers that exist there.
0: So that's where I would say you could start amazing tips oh my gosh bravo Tila that's fantastic and I have to say I am so big on the consent I really hone in on informed consent with my clients that it can't just be like you saying yes but not really understanding it being informed with your consent is so critical so I love how you really went into that in detail that was just beautiful and I also try to tell clients like don't think of yourself as a patient in that moment think of yourself as a client if you go to a stylist, and she is not cutting your hair right, you're going to speak up and say something because you're paying that bill and you have to leave home with that haircut. Same thing with your labor experience, like you are going to be paying that bill and you are the boss and they can't do anything without your informed consent. And you have to go home with that experience and they don't. So yeah, I, when you're saying all of this, it just made me think of those things that I tend to talk about with my clients. And I just, ah, it just, I'm like bowing down, like, yes. (laughs) And the last thing I want to say around that is that consent is
1: not negotiable that's the other piece too. So if you're saying no to something and there is not a direct threat to life, they have to respect that. So it's not up for debate. And so remember that in that moment too, if you just stick to your guns and
0: if you have to get loud about it, go for it. Okay, so Tila, for the women who have, they're preparing for their births and they're trying to avoid birth trauma, we wanna know like if they do experience birth trauma, What are some like potential long-term impacts of it when it's unaddressed? Like we want to let people know that if this happens, I agree. I think talking to support people, seeing a therapist, getting that help so you can heal from within is so important in your motherhood. So what are those potential long-term effects if it is unaddressed? I can't thank you enough
1: for asking this question in particular, because not only are we not addressing birth trauma, but we are especially not addressing the many long-term impacts that exist as a result. And I know we're going to touch on my story today, so you're going to hear a part of it within this, but some of the biggest impacts for me are the long-term ones, Some of the long term impacts is physical pain, which I'll speak to. Financial, that's not something that we consider. Like, if there are things that are taking place after birth trauma that cost further money, that could be putting people in debt if there's like further surgeries required or medications that are really expensive. Pelvic floor issues, a lack of trust with professionals is a long-term impact. Low self-worth is huge. I see that so much on my page. It breaks my heart every single day. Anxiety and depression can also come as a result An inability to have children or even wipe out the desire to have more children because of a fear. It can impact future pregnancies, a lack of sex drive, and friendships is a big one too. I'm noticing a lot of my followers are talking about how it impacts, you know, their relationship with their partner, their in-laws, their family members, and friendships that existed before that. So it really is like a ripple effect, birth trauma.
0: Oh, that gives me like chills, you know, everything that you just said, because it's so real. And can I share a story of one of my previous clients? So I was her doula for her first baby and it was beautiful and amazing, a great birth center birth. She and her husband got pregnant again a couple years later, but they had moved to a different country and they were like, you know what, Nina, we think we want to hire you and we'll fly you in and do all this stuff. And I was like, "Haha, that's really, cute, but no, like I can't do that. But I wish you all the best. I'm sure it'll be amazing. And what happened was that after she had her baby, the doctor was pulling on the umbilical cord to help extract the placenta and was being a little too aggressive with that and left some of the placenta inside her uterus. And as we know, that can cause you know infection and hemorrhaging. And so they had to rush her to do a DNC because she was hemorrhaging. And when she woke up, they had done a hysterectomy. And she was just right. And she calls me days later and said, I had my baby and I can't have any more babies. And so when you're listing all of these things of potential long-term impacts, like, and I hate to say this to anyone who's listening because, oh my gosh, is that so rare, y'all? I do not mean to scare you. But had she known to speak up and say, hey, like, can we be a bit more patient with my placenta detaching from the uterus and not be so aggressive so that you can get to the next room and deliver the next baby, she may have avoided that whole situation. And it just, anyway, breaks my heart. And so there are, you're so right. There are so many long-term impacts from small ones affecting, like, not that they're, I'm not trying to diminish this in any way whatsoever, but like from losing friendships to not being able to have any more babies when you really want to, or losing that desire, like you said, and so forth. So, oh my gosh, I oh that story breaks my heart, and I think
1: that's something that a lot of people battle with too—is feeling like it was their fault. Like, oh, if only I had known, if only I had, you know, said something or done something, and and sometimes even that isn't enough in those situations. So, I really feel for your friend because she didn't know that that was going to happen. Oh yeah. I feel for her. Absolutely. Yeah. I hear hysterectomies come up quite a bit on my page actually. So, and, and the heartbreak around
0: that of course. And then the shame and the guilt. Oh my gosh. Of course. Because you know, I really want people to know that maybe someone's listening and maybe they went through something similar. And I want them to know that they are not the only ones who have suffered these kind of things. I want to say like they did nothing wrong. They shouldn't blame themselves. It's not, you did the best that you could in the situation that you were in with the knowledge that you had. So please do not be hard on yourself. And, of course, seek like help and support and guidance through this. So that's why I've just been so excited to talk to you about this because it's just so important and near and dear to my heart. And this is just necessary. So how can someone begin to heal after a traumatic birth experience? I think the first step is self-validation. So often we
1: look to other people to say, my experience matters, right? And we get stuck in that. It's like a hamster wheel of waiting for that validation to come. And when it doesn't, we stay trapped. And so you need to validate your own experience and recognize that it really does matter. And allowing yourself to take up space I think as women, especially we're taught to be really small and make ourselves small and not to take up any room. Get big about this, take up space, talk about it with people that you know are going to hear you and validate that experience as well as seek out people with similar experiences, which happens a lot on my page. It's very interactive in my stories. It's not just posts that I'm doing every single day. I'm engaging them in a cause of birth trauma and opening up discussions and asking questions. And so seek out, like communities like that, where you're going to feel heard and seen and that connection is so, so powerful. And of course, going back to therapy is a big one. There's a few different styles that I would really recommend for birth trauma as well. So there's EMDR, which has become quite popular this last decade or so. So that's eye movement, desensitization and reprocessing. (laughs) This is why we break it down to just EMDR, but a lot of trauma survivors will be like familiar with that particular one. So that's a big one and as well as somatic therapy so somatic really works on how the body is impacted by trauma and so much of birth trauma like we gave birth right so like we used our body to do that and so somatic would be a really great therapy as well as cognitive behavioral therapy which works with like that shame and guilt piece those thoughts get stuck in our head. And then narrative, which works with the story that you're telling yourself around the birth trauma and how to kind of shift your way of thinking. And then, yeah, like groups, like I said, whether it's through Instagram pages or Facebook groups or postpartum support International is a fantastic
0: resource who has a lot of like online group therapy sessions. I feel like people don't know where to look or what to search or where to go. And so talking about all of this is just so, so, so helpful. I know you mentioned that you experienced birth trauma yourself, Tila. Would you be willing to share your experience with all of us?
1: I was on a podcast recently that she found motherhood and I was I caught a glimpse of myself telling my story and I I gave myself heck online because I noticed that I still smile when I say it. And I think that that's definitely a coping strategy that we use. And we kind of detach from the story. And so today I'm going to try to be really intentional with my story and like sit in this with you. There's many different layers. So I just want to warn people of that. You think we're finished and then we're not. So what took place was that my birth was supposed to be a home birth. In the water, so I had originally hired a midwife, so a team and a doula, and my partner Ryan was there. And so my water broke, and I progressed really quickly. And what I'm discovering—that's like another, you know, cause of birth trauma—is when things speed up and go too fast because your body's, you know, gearing up, and your mind doesn't have an opportunity to realize what's happening. So things started to progress really quickly at home. Now, there's one part of my birth trauma I'm unfortunately not allowed to speak to, which to me is adding another layer of birth trauma to me, which is the midwifery violence that took place in my home. I have reported that midwife and to her association, and she's currently being investigated. So I'm not actually allowed, <laughs> this is what I've been told, I'm not allowed to speak to it. So I will very gladly speak to it once the investigation is over because it's something that has an incredible amount of silence around it and needs to be addressed at some point. So I will say that there was a significant amount of midwifery violence in my home and after hours of begging to go to the hospital at nine and a half centimeters and pushing for about three to four hours at home, I finally got my wish of getting to the hospital when I arrived, I continued to push for another three hours and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, and the midwives were still there at this point, my doula had left. She was so traumatized by what took place to me in my very own home that she didn't come to the hospital. So again, I, I'd love to speak to that down the road. She's in therapy over it and everything right now. When we finally got to the hospital and after hours of pushing, I just remember all of a sudden a flurry of people coming into the room. So it went from being, you know, the four of us to all of a sudden there were doctors and nurses and all these people around everywhere. And a doctor by the name of Billy Wong, who is, I didn't realize at the time because it was my first birth, is quite famous here in Canada. And he's an incredible doctor, an incredible OB. And he said to me, I'm very concerned about your condition right now. You're running a fever, you have an infection from prolonged labor, and I'm worried about you. And so he said to me, here's your options at this point. He was wonderful. He went over everything in detail and make sure he made sure to get my consent and explained to me that he needed to try to use forceps and he was going to do an episiotomy and he would give me three pushes. And that he was so concerned about my state that if I couldn't get her out in three, that he was going to move to an emergency C-section. So I was floored, right? This flurry of people, I was right there. I was just in panic mode going like, what is happening? Like first, this was supposed to be a water birth at home. Now I'm in the hospital. Now all these doctors are here. So I managed to get her out on the second push. And I'll never forget this moment of having her lay on my chest and staring at her and just getting lost in her. And and this moment uh, is the most beautiful moment of my birth is just looking into her eyes. And I didn't realize I was hemorrhaging. And I'm lying there looking at her and I see the look on my husband's face and he's looking really worried. And he's starting to look like he's going white. And then I start hearing the doctors say things like, we can't stop the bleeding. This is so much bleeding. Like I just heard them kept saying the words bleeding. There's so much blood. And then I realized in that moment what was taking place. And he tried to gently tell me what was also taking place. So long story short is that I lost over half the blood in my body and ended up needing blood transfusions as a result. So I was in the hospital for almost a week and they gave me the transfusions, bagged iron, IVs. There would be so many tubes and needles in me that my veins would begin to collapse as a result and they wouldn't be able to find veins anymore in me. So they'd have to call in like ultrasound technicians, which I didn't even know existed for your veins. So it was days of that taking place and So that was like the first part of my birth trauma was uh, the midwifery violence that I can't speak to and the hemorrhaging that took place and the stay at the hospital and all that existed. Once we got Livy home, that's my daughter's name, six weeks later, I would hemorrhage again at home due to a retained placenta, which you just spoke to. And so I had no idea you could hemorrhage again. And so for, you know, listeners, You can hemorrhage up to 12 weeks after you give birth, and people don't know that. And usually, the cause of it is a a retained placenta. So, I went through the excessive hemorrhage in the hospital, which is rare, and then I went through the retained placenta and had to have a DNC to remove it. So, this was six weeks later. It was May long weekend due to COVID. Obviously, my daughter wasn't allowed in there, my husband wasn't allowed in there. I was all by myself going through that surgery, which was Terrifying. And Dr. Billy Wong was the one to do that one as well. So I've gotten way too familiar with him, unfortunately. And then what happened afterwards, and this is the long term impact that I wanted to speak to today, is that as a direct result of my birth trauma and that six week hemorrhage and the stay in the hospital, I caught what's called C. diff. Now, C. diff for your viewers who are unfamiliar is an incredible infection that you only get from being usually in hospitals and on antibiotics. And usually you only see it in older people, like people in their 80s or like cancer survivors, people with literally no immune system. And because I had hemorrhage twice, I didn't really have an immune system left at that point. And so C. diff can be fatal and can takes lives all the time. And I was put on very aggressive medication called vancomycin. Usually that does the trick, especially for somebody my age. I'm 36 years old. No, it did not work. I relapsed a total of four times with C. diff, which is like, that's crazy am now a part of a clinical trial through the University of Alberta, which deals with fecal transplants. And fecal transplants have come a long way in dealing with C. diff. Fecal transplants are now down to a pill form that you take to try to get rid of the C. diff for good from your system. And so I, the first fecal transplant I went through failed. There was an 80% success rate and my C. diff was that aggressive that it came back. And knock on wood, I am now 10 weeks into my recovery with the second fecal transplant. And they say that the eight week mark is the golden number. So I've like passed that golden number, but they follow me for a year in this trial. So one of the things that took place after my birth was that I would have hip pain in my left hip. And I ignored it and thought it was just a part of giving birth. And, you know, this almost six hours of pushing that I went through. And I have been in a lot of physical pain since, but was so focused on the C. diff that I was ignoring that part of my recovery. And I've been going through pelvic floor physiotherapy before giving birth and after. And Oh, Nina. (laughs) Sorry,
0: ignore me. I know we're on video for everyone who's listening. So she's literally watching me cry as I'm listening to her story.
1: But you know, just to stop though, like I really appreciate the tears because it's bringing the emotion out in myself. And like I talked about is that I detach from this all the time and I do to get through my story so that I can help other people. And it's not necessarily healthy. Like I need to connect to this. So your tears are helping me to do that right now. So thank you for your vulnerability. I really appreciate it.
2: I'm a box of all the feelings. So if you ever need them, call me. Yeah. So
1: what happened was that my pelvic floor physiotherapist i've uh callie i just want to give her a shout out she's just incredible through pine integrated health center i saw her a few months ago and it was the first time i'd seen her after birth and she tried to get mobility on my left leg and she couldn't and she right away was really concerned she said something is wrong i need you to order ultrasounds x-rays from your doctor and i did that and it took me a few months to get in Last week I went and it was quite a traumatizing experience. I kind of felt like I was reliving my birth trauma all over again for various reasons. I felt very much out of control in that moment. So long story short is that he, the technician shared with me that the results are not good. So he didn't go into detail, but he said, I think this is a direct result from the forceps that were used. And I said, do you know what the healing is going to be like around this? Can you at least tell me that? He said, i can't tell you much but i just know it's not going to be good and that you might have like hip injections for the rest of your life i was going hip injection what the heck is hip injection like i just left there just feeling shattered and so sure enough my doctor's office called me yesterday they got the x-rays and ultrasounds in and they want me to come in tomorrow so, you know, that's never good news when the doctor won't tell, especially in COVID times, right, where they could easily just tell you over the phone. So I'm going in tomorrow at 11. So everyone keep your fingers crossed for me. I'm scared because it just feels like this is never going to end. And it's what my followers speak to as well, you know, is that it just feels like it, it kind of haunts you for a while and so i just keep hoping oh okay this is it oh oh this is it and still something happens so but i'm also looking at this as an opportunity to embrace what's called post traumatic growth in my field which means that i'm taking this really shitty experience and i'm i'm trying to spin gold from it And not in a financial way, but in a way that's going to help other people. And so like, okay, I keep getting hit with this. I'm looking at it as an opportunity to continue to shed light on how this impacts women so that they don't feel alone in their experience. And I know that all parts of my story, somebody else connects with. And so I'm just trying to give a voice to that. Tila, your
0: positivity, your strength, your just heart
2: is so inspiring. So y'all know I'm a doula and I've been to over 300 births and I'm so passionate about helping women not experience what you just went through. And sorry that I'm crying, but it's so unfair. And I'm so sorry that you went through that and you did not deserve that at all. And I want you to know that you did nothing wrong. I'm, I just breaks me apart, but I'm just so honored that you've come on here and shared this such real and raw experience with all of us. And anyway, I need to get it together. I just am I'm so, so in awe of you and, and I'm so grateful that you are willing to open up and share such a very traumatic experience with all of us so that all of us can support one another and recognize that these things happen and that, you know, we're here to bear witness and love and just be there for one another. And so anyway, I just, I hope that you have that. I appreciate the work that you do as a counselor and therapist for other people, I really hope that you are getting that same type of love and connection for yourself. Are you? <laughs> Thank you.
1: <laughs> I want to say that my partner has been incredible throughout this whole experience. I'm really lucky. Like from the moment it all took place, he was just as angry and he filed his own report against that midwife and the abuse that took place in my home and just everything he had to do, especially those first few weeks. I couldn't, and that's, you know, something that is one of the most heartbreaking parts about birth trauma that really stuck with me is that I couldn't breastfeed as a result you know as a result of hemorrhaging and I really wanted to and that was taken from me I was robbed of it those first few weeks I was told you cannot get out of bed you have to lie there your body needs to rest and recuperate and as a result you know when Livy would cry I couldn't run to her physically I couldn't run to her to grab her he had to get her for me so he's just Ryan he's going to listen to this afterwards. He knows how much I love him and how much I appreciate his support. And so he has been like a huge part of my healing. And so is my doctor, my family doctor, my pelvic floor physiotherapist has been huge. You know, being a trauma therapist, I knew what to watch for after I went through this, but I will say didn't make it any easier. I'm really good at compartmentalizing <laughs> to get through this, but, and my followers, like, it's interesting because I'm supporting them every single day, but through that, I do feel like I'm healing parts of myself through them, you know, and just that shared connection and just empowering them and, and hearing their voices. It's it's helping me. It is.
0: That's so wonderful. That makes me so happy to hear that. And I, <laughs> but it's and a journey. I-
1: it's going to be a long time of healing for me for sure. <laughs> so I don't want to like sugarcoat that. Like I want your listeners with birth trauma to know that this
0: long term work. This is a long road ahead. I was going to say oh my gosh yeah this is not like a one time you know couple sessions after a year no this is going to be a walk that it will definitely be with you and I re- that's why I was like I really hope that you are surrounded by so much love and the support that you absolutely deserve and it just also breaks my heart because I had two beautiful home births and a water birth and, and it was amazing my I can't sing my praises enough for my midwives so i just want to like strangle yours and say like how freaking how, like how dare you how dare you do this to anyway i want to know like how did you get to a place where you felt comfortable sharing your experience with others I just
1: knew that I had to. Like I Ryan will never forget this either. After that week in the hospital on our drive home, I looked at him. So this was our drive home and I said, I have to do something about this for other people. I don't want them to ever go through what I went through. I don't want them to have this experience and I need to help. And so he knows me, he knows what I'm like, and that I've I've done this throughout my life. I haven't had a, a very easy life as people would call it. So I just uh, knew that I had to help in some way. And so those first couple months was me just trying to navigate being a new mom. <laughs> I was doing my doctorate at the same time as all of this too, and navigating being a first-time mom with an incredible daughter. And 12 weeks postpartum is when I started this Instagram page. and Because you have not enough on your plate, but sure, yeah. I have people ask me, is it just you running that account? And I said, oh yeah, it's all me. And my followers know this. I only do it when Livy is sleeping. So I refuse to take any time away from her, anytime. So whenever you see me online, know that she's napping in my arms and I'm like answering people's questions and putting out research articles and, and doing all this stuff to try and create more awareness and information. But I know that this is what I'm meant to do. And I say that, not wanting other people to feel like they have to say that too. I know that this is my experience, but I would never say that to somebody else. Like I would never be like, this is your calling. That's why you went through it because that hurts when somebody else does it. But I will say that I know that this is what I'm meant to do is to shed light on this. So that's why I did it. It just
0: felt instinctual. It felt like I had to do it. Well, for a selfish reason, I'm so glad that you did, but I'm glad that it was because of a calling to you and that you felt like, oh, I know that this is, like you said, a shitty situation, but I know that I can help and do and make so much good out of this, this crap that's been given to me. So we're just so grateful for you. And you said that you have an amazing partner, which, oh, I'm so glad. I want to know what can women and their partner do to better prepare and potentially prevent experiencing birth trauma? So
1: this is the big thing that I'm after right now. So one of like my goals, one of my dreams is to create some kind of program or preventions around this. So right now it doesn't really exist. Like I remember going through my prenatal class and they didn't say the words birth trauma. Like they said postpartum depression, they said postpartum anxiety, and they just like breezed over that. And so I want to develop something that doesn't scare women, because that's not what I want to do here. And you'll see posts of mine that speak to that. Like, it's like a fine line, sometimes a balance between like, making sure you're not like, I don't want to instill fear in people. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to provide information so that they can make those informed decisions that we talked about earlier. And so that's what it's hard because as listeners who maybe they're on their first pregnancy or, you know, their third or fourth is that if you're listening to this, my hope is that this podcast even in itself was education enough to go, Oh, okay. Like if I'm experiencing these things, you know, like if I don't feel like my voice is being heard, get louder or get my doula to talk or my partner, things of that nature. But those prenatal classes is one of the things that I'm going to be focusing on is how we can do that prevention piece as much as we can. But I think you know too, Nina, as a doula, is that there's so many things within birth trauma that unfortunately are unavoidable. There are things, and then there's a whole bunch that aren't, like for example, how you're treated. So one of the things that I talk about often on my page is the bare minimum. That's what I like to call it. And that's what I'm asking providers to do. Provide empathy, compassion, love, support. even just a little bit of it goes so long and can really deter somebody from having birth trauma. Like It's it's that simple in some of those moments to show that empathy and compassion. So it's interesting because we often look to the victims or survivors and say like, here, this is what you should do. And it's like, "Ah, I want to flip that on its head like I used to do with sexual assault work, which is like, no, I want to look the other direction right now and point to the people who are causing this and say like, hey, let's come together and collaborate and create something that helps to prevent birth trauma so that's like to like I know that is probably not the answer that you were hoping for but yeah and to partners don't be afraid to advocate for but it's hard too like that's part of my husband's trauma is that he froze so did my doula The violence was that bad that they didn't know what to do or say. And so to partners listening to this who maybe like, you know, their partner went through birth trauma and they froze, please know that that's normal, that that's a natural response and don't beat yourself up over that. But if you are a partner who's vocal, go for it. Say something in that moment because
0: you could prevent a lot you're saying, oh, I probably gave you the answer that you're not looking for. Like, no, that's so helpful. And I'm glad that you're looking at it from a different angle because obviously what we've been doing isn't working. So maybe we need to look at things in a different light. And I feel like if anyone can do it i think you can so i'm glad i'm so glad that you shared that for us you know support people what is the best way to support someone who has experienced birth trauma because i feel like when someone starts sharing their experience People don't know what to say. It's kind of like, you know, after any loss or anything that's tragic or traumatic, people don't know the right thing to do or say, so they just don't say anything or do anything because in fear of saying or doing the wrong thing. So what would you recommend are the best ways to support someone who has experienced birth trauma and how can we empower those survivors? I think the
1: biggest thing is listen. So I think often we like
0: feel like we have to fill the
1: silence or say something or react, but just holding space for that. It's such a therapist thing to say, but it's, it's so works. Hold that space. <laughs> yeah, hold the space for that person. Just listen to their experience. Don't interject. Don't try to minimize because you think that will make them feel better. One of the biggest things I talk about on my page that all oh, my followers love, they just crave it so much is... Don't engage in toxic positivity. We live in this culture, this world of like being like, oh, well, it could have been so much worse and you survived and look at how healthy baby is. Oh, baby's doing great and baby this and baby that. And it's like, we do that in those moments thinking that we're trying to be positive and help and it really minimize and shatters that person's experience. You're telling them that they don't matter, that their situation doesn't matter. So resist that urge to be super positive. I have a post on it. So for those of you who are really interested, just skim through my page and, you'll see I did a toxic positivity statements versus compassionate statements to say to a birth trauma survivor. So instead of saying like, oh, at least you survived or it could have been worse or baby's healthy saying like, that must have been so scary. I'm so glad you're alive. You know, what can I do to help you? I know I've never experienced this, but I want you to know I'm here right? So it's just really acknowledging their experience. And look, that took me five seconds to say. And even just one of those statements
0: can go like such a long way in somebody's recovery. Y'all, please check out that, that post. So then, you know, we have some, some even more tools to be able to use whenever we do encounter a friend or acquaintance or, or any loved one who has experienced birth trauma. So, and Tila, you have said that 34% of women report their birth as being traumatic. Yet, as we've said, not enough people are talking about it. What are some important messages birth trauma survivors want others to know? And you know, to speak to that 34%,
1: my page is highly researched. So as a doctorate student, like I really take research seriously, and so that 34% is not made up. (laughs) It's um, it all exists within the research papers that exist out there on birth trauma, and some you will even see as high as 45% as well. So we're seeing 34 to 45% of women. So one in three are saying that their birth experience was traumatic. So. I often ask my survivors to speak to their experiences and sometimes I'll create posts from it. And so one of the posts that I did when I first started, I asked survivors, what do you want people to know? So what a brilliant question for you, Nina, to ask because there's so much that survivors want people to know. So I'm just going to share a a few with you, which is that first, I just want you all to know that shame. And this is a post that I actually created the other day. So this isn't my survivor saying this, but that shame that you carry is actually just unrealistic expectations that you've been taught to hold. And when I thought of it the other day, I was like, oh my goodness, right? Like, it's so true. Like that intense shame, because shame is I'm wrong, right? I'm bad. And it really points the finger at yourself. And it's like, no, those unrealistic expectations that you've been placed with Those are what's wrong and what's bad. So I just want to throw
0: that out there to people listening. How powerful you guys like, oh my gosh, that is gold. So I just had to interject and say that. That was amazing. I love that. So they want you to know that birth trauma is real first and foremost. It's not something that's
1: made up. It's not something to say to get attention because again, most people aren't even talking about their experience. It completely changes you. Every fiber of you, birth trauma changes you. So many people are suffering in silence. You can't just get over it. It's a long road to recovery. A healthy baby does not mean a healthy birth experience. And that's really key for people to understand. And that it's so common. It can happen to anyone. And that it happens even in healthy pregnancies. So people think, oh, it must happen to people who like had a rotten pregnancy the whole time. And then boom, birth trauma happens. No, my pregnancy was healthy. There was no issues, no complications. I'm a healthy person. And then all of that transformed. So
0: those are just some of the things that uh, survivors want you to know. I couldn't agree more. We shouldn't diminish things. It literally makes my skin crawl whenever someone says something happened and they say, oh, well, at least you have a healthy baby. And I'm like, but that's so minimizing her entire experience. And you're just basically saying like, How she feels doesn't matter because thank God she has a healthy baby. And yes, we get it. Of course. Thank God she does. But like, can she also be a human being with emotions and be recognized for that and respected and like supported through that as she holds her healthy baby? Like can we do that? So that's the call to action
1: that so many of us are saying right now with pages like this. It's like, I call it a maternal mental health epidemic. That's what we're in right now. We don't care about the mother. We're watching her suffer in silence and nobody's doing anything to help her. And she is raising that next generation. So we really do need to put our energy and our time and our love towards her because then essentially we're also giving it to the kid in the same moment.
0: Okay, so Tila, what resources do you recommend that women look into to learn more about birth trauma and overcoming a difficult birthing experience? So I spoke to them a
1: bit at the beginning there, which is Postpartum Support International. So that name really does say it all, like they are around the world, they have chapters everywhere. So just like get on your computer, Google postpartum support, PSI is what they go by for short, and you'll see all kinds of resources that they offer. And they will be able to link you to direct trauma therapists within your state or province. So that's what you, I would suggest one of the first things that you can do. You also want to go on something called Psychology Today. So it's a platform that us therapists and psychologists use to um, put our profiles up there. So I exist on there. All of my therapist friends exist on there. And you want to type in perinatal psychology birth trauma. So again, you don't just want a trauma therapist. You want somebody who understands the layers of being a mom of motherhood and postpartum and the fourth trimester and all of those things. The other pieces that I would say is finding pages like my own or other birth trauma pages that exist and really seeking out that sense of community because that is what my followers are speaking to the most in regards to what's helping them with their healing. So they're like every day, it's what keeps me going sometimes with this page is that every day, multiple times a day, I'm getting messages from followers saying like, your page has done this and this and this for me. And it's through hearing about other people's experiences that I'm healing now. And like, you actually are giving me a voice. And like, so you need to seek out platforms like that, because they're so powerful. Like, I've always said I've been a therapist for so long and I've always said that, If I could do any form of therapy for the rest of my life, it would be group therapy because you get a group of women in a room and there's nothing more badass than it. It's just incredible to watch them come together to empower each other and lift one another up. Like, it gives me goosebumps. Like, I'm super passionate about women coming together to help each other. So,
0: and it's so true. Isn't it so much easier to like lift someone else up and tell them how amazing they are versus telling yourself? So, sometimes it's just necessary to have that and if you don't have that village or tribe or whatever to tell you like you're amazing mama like rock on with your bad self kind of thing like finding groups like that are essential and I just I love that I'm so glad that you do that Tila uh, I just falling in love this is the best for our listeners we want to know like any final thoughts or advice for for all of us I think just a final thought,
1: because it needs to be addressed, especially in the United States, which is the amount of racism that exists within birth trauma. And so I recently did a post on it, but you know, just to throw a statistic out there that might get people's attention, is that research for years now has been showing that Black women are four times more likely to die from Birth related complications. That number is staggering. And so is the research that I'm finding on it, the very little that exists around racism and birth trauma, but it speaks volumes and it's taking lives. It's literally taking lives. And so I just wanted to highlight that today, just for a moment, just to give people a moment to pause to think about that there are certain groups of people that are being impacted by this even more than others. So I just wanted to say that piece. And I think just to end uh, with your followers, just I want you to know that you're not alone. If this has been your experience, please know that other people exist. And they are so ready for you whenever you are in regards to helping
0: you to heal from this. I am so glad that you brought up that statistic, Tila. And I absolutely agree. It's astounding to see the research and the numbers that are coming out to women of color and childbirth and the negative experiences that that they're experiencing and the long lasting effects that it has. And then death. Oh my gosh. It's just, it's mind blowing and heartbreaking and I wish we knew more of what we could do to help. And I think it's having these conversations with people like you, informing people what is going on, what can happen and to speak up and inform one another and empower each other and to be there for women of color during their childbirthing pregnancy and childbirthing experiences. So because you touched on that, do you have any resources or recommendations for any of us who, who really feel a calling to do something about that or to support women of color? I think just being open to having those conversations and so
1: finding moments when you can bring up statistics like that or generate that conversation because it's through conversation I think that change can exist and just being really open to do what I like to call it as cultural humility, which is taking a moment of pause and really being the student in those moments with people of color and listening to them. And instead of like asking what you can do, just listen. Listening is huge. So yeah, resist the urge to try and change anything in that moment, but listen to their experience. Be open to it. Be open to challenging yourself around some of the beliefs that you have or, you know, because we're all human beings. We engage in certain stereotypes or have been raised with specific ones so just be open to relearning you know essentially certain things so but in terms of resources they're so limited it breaks my heart and again it's it's one of the reasons why I feel so passionate about birth trauma is because there's not a lot of support out there that exists in general for birth trauma never mind for women of color and birth trauma
0: Well, again, another reason why we're so grateful for the work that you're doing, Tila, and for supporting all women during this time in our lives, it should be such a empowering and beautiful experience, but we know that things can happen. And for having people like you to support us through it is such a wonderful thing. So Tila, now that everyone is like, oh my gosh, where can I follow her? What's her page? What's all this stuff? Where can our listeners find you? Okay. So my Instagram account is called at the
1: tea. So like tea that you drink. So at the tea on birth trauma, the tea on birth trauma, y'all. And uh, you can find me on psychology today. Tila Tomasetti is uh, my last name. And so I'm very open to people emailing me and asking me questions or like, I have quite a few people across Canada right now and trying to help find resources. So I'm here to help. So don't be afraid to reach out.
0: This was so helpful, Tila. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and your personal experience with all of us. It's just such an important topic and I really appreciate your openness and I know it will help many of us. So thank you again.
1: Thank you. It was so nice to meet you, Nina. <laughs> Thanks for everything that your page does. This was such a pleasure for me. So thank you for having me.
0: It's our honor. Thank you. And for our listeners out there to learn more and follow Tila, like she said, visit her on Instagram at the T on birth trauma. So T-H-E-T-E-A-O-N-B-I-R-T-H-T-R-A-U-M-A. I I had to spell that out just in case so you guys can find it. (laughs) And our team will be posting today's episode on our Baby Chick Facebook page. So if you have any questions or comments about our discussion, please share them with us in the comments. And as always, if you haven't already, please subscribe to Chick Chat, the Baby Chick Podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. I'd love it if you guys left us an honest review and cheers to all of you mamas to a happier and healthier and birth trauma-free birthing.